Welcome back to the weekly inebriated scriptural exegesis and source study, or Wise Ass, a production of the Oklahoma Atheist Godcast, the most drunken Bible study in all of Oklahoma County, and possibly the only one that takes the Bible exactly as seriously as it deserves. This week we'll be doing the Book of Esther, which is a nice little godless novella, it's really quite surprising, situated as it is in between the historical and prophetic books, and the moral of the story is perfectly unclear. Well, I leave it to you to suss that out, dear listener. Enjoy! So, what I'm drinking tonight uh, for the Book of Esther, conventionally it's called Crown and Coke. <laughs> so what are you drinking? I'm just drinking another White Zen. This one's from Barefoot. Nice. I don't like it as much. <laughs> well, well, we'll see if Abby can't outgirl you on the drinking. <laughs> she might have her, you know, special chamomile beer or something. Right, right. <laughs> and one interesting thing about you, Paul? Um, I, I am a hobby electrician. Not electrician. What sort I'm looking for? I build uh, electronics in my spare time. That, oh, for real? Yeah. yeah. I, I've built a tube amp and mini pedals and other miscellaneous crap. That is badass. That is not just interesting. That's like, I'm going to come to you for advice on stuff. Oh, <laughs> Well, I warn you, I don't have a degree. It's all just internet-based, so I might not have an answer. I'm sure you'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say one interesting thing about me, is that I once read half a dozen books in preparation for a single podcast interview. <laughs> the Morrow interview? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll ever do that again. Unless I interview, like, another one of my very favorite authors, which is not likely. Anyways. Yeah, sorry. Jason. Jason. What are you drinking? What I moved all last weekend, so I'm uh, not as in the cash that I was before, so I'm slumming it tonight. Drinking the official beer of Oklahoma Christian University, Keystone Light. Ew. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I'm going to switch to Amstel Light just to camaraderie with you to come have, have the camaraderie. Wait, so you're not living with the postmodernists anymore? No, he moved back to Texas. Hmm. Or did he? That <laughs> sounds like a truth statement. I will spit my beer. Texas oh, is relative, and the borders of Texas are arbitrary. Nobody can just, really say what they're Texas just social is. constructs. Texas is merely a social construct. Actually, wait, it kind of is. Well, yeah, Texas is a social construct. <laughs> That's true, but the uh, borders aren't like actually there anywhere. Well, some of them actually are, in the sense that they're bodies of water. The Red River is less social constructy than the border, the, the legal border that resides halfway in the Red River, which is a, a, an abstraction. What about Jason? What's interesting about you? I was born today. Really? Happy birthday! <laughs> Tomorrow we can say you were born yesterday. <laughs> Damn, that would have been better. June 1st. Happy birthday, man. How old are you? 26. Damn, you look younger. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you don't look a day over 24. <laughs> so, Abby. My turn? Yeah, I got um, Paper City Brewery Spring Lager. It's got a goat on it. Massachusetts. Sweet. I ventured outside the arbitrarily defined borders between Vermont and Mass. They're just a social so- construct. Massachusetts apparently moved to Tornado Alley. Yeah, oh, that's right here. Uh, yeah, my, my mom's going there to like do a dog show 
like exactly to that area. That's my interesting thing. My mom breeds rat terriers. And that is interesting. Run into a tornado. Although you've like twice deferred to relatives now. Really? <laughs> yeah, you did your brother last time. Oh. So what was interesting about your brother? Uh, rock band. <laughs> yeah, he plays in a rock band that. that's a. That it's like a good rock band with a crappy lead singer. Yeah. Yeah. You're paying attention. Like, the other interesting thing is I have another one of these in the freezer, so don't let me forget it. <laughs> and now I've got to remind myself that this intro segment is for the sake of Esther. We're going to be talking about the book of Esther tonight. So Esther. Esther. More Esther. I enjoyed this book. I enjoyed this book more than I think I've enjoyed anything so far. I'm right there. Yeah, it was fun in a twisted way. And I think it's, it's part of it's because it hasn't been preached that much, so a lot of it was kind of, oh yeah, you know, like it was. Isn't it was the, new. this the book that God's only mentioned like once? Really? Oh, you spoiled it. Yes. Damn you! No wait, wait. I was gonna say, <laughs> Spoiler I was, alert! I was going to say that we should p- play the Esther drinking game. Every time that God is mentioned, we take a drink. Okay, that's a good idea. Let's do that. I'm drinking Keystone. I'm going to drink like three beers for each one. We should be drunk by the time this is over. I mean, it is in the Bible, after all. (laughs) You can can edit my spoiler out. I'm just going to say, I forgot how shitty Keystone Light was. (laughs) (laughs) It really takes you back, doesn't it? To when you had no taste in beer? Unfortunately, you can't get 30 packs in Florida. 30 packs? Yeah, they used the Target up on uh, up by UCO. We used to be able to get thirty packs of Keystone for ten ninety nine. Holy! Wait, thirty packs something rare in like the you guys states? Yeah, I've never seen a thirty pack outside of Oklahoma. Really? No, they have thirty packs and everything here. I've never seen a thirty pack. Period in my life. Really? Yeah, I've seen twenty four. Really big. No, you, you can get thirties of Keystone in High Life. You can get thirties in Bud. They make everything in thirties. What are you talking about? Uh, in Oklahoma, you can only get uh, Keystone, High Life, and I think Natty. Puritans. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look at that next time. Cause, I mean, I don't I don't normally look at the super large containers of beer because that'd be weird. <laughs> you need about that much Keystone to actually get drunk. I'm like the only person that drinks beer here, and I they usually don't. I usually buy six at a time or twelve tops, but I'll take a look. But in any event, I don't think you're gonna need thirty beers to get through the Book of Esther. In terms of the how many times the name of God comes up? I think I'm yeah. There's angry. there's only like how many chapters is there? Nine or ten? Ten. And it's ten. ten, but it's actually it's shorter than Nehemiah. Yeah, we're gonna right. finish this one tonight. Woo. Let's do it. We're gonna get through one book. Let's do it. The book is way more interesting too. So first of all, in your in your Bible, is it King Ahasuerus or is it King Xerxes? Mine says. Ahasuerus. Okay. The, K- the KJV I have is Ahasuerus. Well, yeah, as long as you're using KJV, it, it would it would be. But some of the other translations go straight the to Xerxes. The NIVs are to Xerxes. Yeah, yeah. They're, going, they're going off the... Xerxes, I remember. They're going off the Septuagint or some wacky shit. It's considered to be Xerxes one, Xerxes the first. Is that the one from 300? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's actually... Um, no, he's from 485 to 464 B.C. <laughs> and we'll find out one of the characters is at least 115 years old. Wow, that's impressive. So, so how does it open up? We got Queen. It's Vashti. Vashti. Okay. Yeah. I listened to this one on the audio bible. Vashti. So I've got all the pronunciations stored. We should say we should say we're in Persia, 
Um, right, right. In this the is... post-exile period, so there's a bunch of Jews living in Persia, now known as Iran. In case you really don't know that. <laughs> and if you don't know that, you haven't followed anything we've said so far. So she she refuses to come out and show her beauty as requested. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you can't just go to her straight to her refusal. You have to start with the fact that it was a six month drinking binge feast. <laughs> oh, okay, my bad. Well, Persia was way different back then. <laughs> it's so much more fun than it is now. Giant drinking royal party. Yeah, one hundred and four score. One hundred and four score days. So this is a half year drinking spree, and the king gets royally toasted. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, baby, hey, baby, Varsity, come out here and do your dance for us. And don't forget the crown royal." <laughs> and surprisingly enough, she refuses. That f-ing feminist. So this is the first mention in the Bible of the Crown Royal, which is delicious. I'm drinking Crown Royal tonight. <laughs> Does it actually say Crown Royal in the KJV? God, you can tell you haven't been reading the KJV. I read... <laughs> oh, I just saw it. <laughs> what, 111. Bring Vashti the Queen before the King with the Crown Royal. And he's like, <laughs> I wonder if they named that after this verse. <laughs> Whatever, they would have had Johnny Walker Blue Label. <laughs> would you like to get your wife drunk enough to dance in front of your friends? Try Crown Royal. <laughs> <laughs> Come on out here, beautiful. Try your stuff for my buddies. And that's really how this, this reads to me. He's just loaded, and he's like, Hey, baby. Come shake it, don't break it, baby. But she refuses to shake it or break it, so so she gets deposed. Right, but why did she get deposed? Because it would set a terrible feminist precedent throughout the land. Apparently. Yeah, yeah we cannot have these, these wives standing up to their husbands. There shall arise too much contempt and wrath. The ladies of Persia and Media say this day to all the king's princes. You know, it's, it's, it's just basically, we can't let women stand up for themselves. That's the message of this yeah. chapter. Uh, but the Bible doesn't explicitly endorse that message. It's just basically how the king of Persia acted back then. <laughs> They write a letter and they send it to everyone saying, um, the man's the man's in charge. Woman <laughs> yes. pregnant. That's right. They actually found promise keepers right here in this chapter. <laughs> At least they didn't execute her. Yeah, what happened it doesn't say what happens to her. She's disappeared, just like in the Sopranos. Yeah, just like all those outlandish what? women in the in the time of Ezra. She's disappeared. Uh yeah, let's I gotta I gotta quote this last verse here, because this is so perfectly terrible. Yeah, it almost makes me want to be a feminist just so I could get extra pissed at this stuff. <laughs> and the king did according to the word of Memukan, for he sent letters into all the king's provinces, into every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house. So he's translating this into all these different regions, these dialects and languages, so, you know, just to be clear, the man is the man. And no man needs to shut up yeah, I was going to say, wait, so Persian wasn't their national language? Well, it was a big empire. It's a big empire with lots of little things going on. Anyway, the point is that he makes an awful lot of effort to make to make this uh, chauvinism official. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the kind of sexism that we hardly see in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm. Well, he couldn't have been that drunk if he remembered what she actually did. Oh no, because it was being whispered around. It was being rumored. It was probably it was probably being recorded by Ezra the scribe. Well, yeah, it was probably Ezra. I, I blame Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> he was a misogynist. Okay. Someone just didn't like the queen, so they just told him. So two five introduces our the main characters Mordecai and Esther. In something really really interesting, I found about um quote-unquote researching this. Um, the names Mordecai and Esther are considered to be too similar to the um, the names of some Babylonian gods to be coincidence. Because there are two gods who are also cousins named Marduk and Ishtar. And um, we'll find, we'll see a guy named Haman who's the enemy. Mm-hmm. He, was a, um, he was a Persian god. So all these characters are named after gods <clears throat> from like the um the ex- the exiles um new countries. Okay, so just real quick, what what were the other ones? Memocon? Or wait, no, hold on, sorry. Marduk. Marduk. Where's Mordecai Marduk? looks like Marduk and Esther looks like Ishtar. Huh. So the actual heroes of the story are named after foreign gods. Yeah, and they have the same relationship. Um their cousins in both. Hmm. Weird. Well, I I even remember learning in church when I was younger <laughs> that they're like, how the hell did this book even get into the Bible? <laughs> it is somewhat exceptional. <laughs> even the preachers were like, this book doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, the part about fair young virgins makes sense. Which brings us to chapter two and the things that kings desire. Yeah, he needs a new queen, so he needs a... Yeah. Uh... And if you think chapter one wasn't, wasn't sexist enough, <laughs> he said, <laughs> Bring me all the fair young virgins, and I'm going to have sex with them each, one at a time, and when I'm done, I'll pick the one I like. Which is exactly what he does. I don't really understand when each one's turn, it says that, um, at least in my translation, it says she can bring something. And like, what is that? Oh, like a gift? I, or like a sex aid? I don't know. Ooh, I like that theory. I like that theory. I'm going to go with that. Oh, um, at 13, 213. Oh, okay. When each girl's turn came, she was allowed to take with her whatever she asked. And like, it, and it says um, Esther doesn't take anything, but it's not described what they were. I'm going to go with nipple clamps. <laughs> Gag ball? Yeah. I hear the king's into that. Big into leather. It's just, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's fairly revolt. I mean, of course, it's a Persian king and it's ancient times, but, you know, it's still, like, like vividly revolting. Like, oh, we're going to have all these virgins, and then they'll, they'll be in this one place, and then they'll go have sex with the king, and they'll bring a sex toy or something. And then they'll come back and they'll go to the other house, the house of the concubines. <laughs> and then those are the ones that the king's already had, and he's not as interested in them anymore. <laughs> Just, the oh. version of The Bachelor? It's like somebody who just absolutely hates feminists, like, a lot, decided to write a book. <laughs> and like, it's my fantasy book. Like, I'm gonna piss off. I don't know. It's just, wow. Then then wow. the woman becomes the hero. That's right. She becomes the hero by having sex with the king. <laughs> How perfectly feminist is that? That's not the worst thing she does. By being beautiful and having sex with the king. Not exactly a feminist victory on her part. <laughs> 
Well, the king likes her. Likes her the best. He does, because she didn't show up with any toys. Just her mad she, skills. She's Oh, we should say that she's um she's only a secret Jew. They don't, they don't right, know she's Jewish. She's passing. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first recorded instance of passing for a Gentile, which is a long-standing tradition in the Jewish community to learn how to get by as if you were a Gentile. I bet I could pass for a Jew. Well, to try that sometime. Okay, Esther is okay, made queen because she's beautiful, right? Right, right. And, and apparently good in the sack. Yeah, I assume, because, I mean, he, he, tried, he tried quite a few virgins. Right. He None of them seemed to know what they were doing. <laughs> I wonder some. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> so she's queen of Persia. Yeah. So then, all of a sudden... There's a conspiracy! Yes! <laughs> And Mordecai saves the day. Yeah, two guys. Who did yeah, Bigthana and Teresh. I kind of I like this because it's really um Esther is I mean for everything it's that's horrible about it it's really well written and well paced. Right, it's, it's a good little. It's a fun read. No, not novella. I went through it in one day. I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. First time that's happened of any book in the Bible. <laughs> It's one of the few that doesn't have genealogies somewhere in it. Yeah. <laughs> or prophecy. So I think after... There's only a couple, like, novelistic books. Ruth, this one, I think Tobias. They're, they're a nice little break from the weird scrambled stuff. That we yeah. Okay. So, so there's Mordecai. a conspiracy that's foiled, but then there is a much worse plot to destroy the Jews that comes up here in a bit. Right. Well, it all starts because Mordecai refuses to bow to Haman. Yeah, what's that about? He's like, I don't want to bow to you, dude. Why? Is it because he's a Agagite? Agagite? Ah, right. And aren't those aren't they related to Amalek? Yeah, because Agag was a Amalekite king. Yeah. So was Mordecai just being racist? Like, I'm not going to bow to a friggin' Amalekite. Right. Well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the only explanation I can see. Because yeah. he, he would have no other reason to diss him. Yeah. I, I think that you, you get the sense that Haman is just, he's the villain, and you know he's the villain because it says right here he's an Agagite, which is an Amalekite. So, yeah. He's not an Israelite. He's it's not just that he's not an Israelite. He's, like, from the most hated tribe. The most hated rival tribe. The one that the most genocidal commands are focused upon in Joshua and elsewhere. Are they? I'm actually, I'm looking up what I said about the Amalekites in my little list of ites. You made a note, an annotated list of ites. Yeah, my blog. I'm working on a list of all the every ite in the Bible. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Yeah, so I think racism is is probably what's used to set Haman immediately as a villain. You don't have to like mm-hmm. show Haman stomping babies for fun. You just say he's an agite, <laughs> and instantly the audience hates him. Yeah, I mean it's like when. We still do that today, when there's, well, at least, like, you know, when there's the Eastern European villain or something, you just, you cast an other, and then it's obviously the bad guy. So Haman gets really upset, and decides that the best thing to do would be to just destroy all the Jews. Right, because why, you know, why just punish Mordecai when you could wipe out his whole tribe? Ethnic cleansing is always the answer. That'll show them. Collective punishment. (laughs) So it's it's a racist offense and it warrants a very racist solution. 
Thanks, eye for an eye. Bible. Skin for skin. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's that's um Job. Never mind. Oh. We'll get there. Getting close. I so, can't yeah. stop reading Job. I, I, anyway, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. So in three, nine, I believe it starts see, with the bribery of the king. The... Yeah, they all give you ten thousand talents. Right. And they, I mean, the king knows what he's doing, doesn't he? He's like he's probably so drunk. He's like, can I buy a lot of Crown Royal for 10,000 pounds? I can buy so much Actually, no. If he drank for six straight months, his tolerance has got to be ridiculous. That's true. 180-day drinking feast is not for the light of... Do what you want with those It's got to be like Andre the Giant level. Take my... Maybe he's still in the midst of like a six-month hangover there. Okay, so I'm getting this great mental picture of this crazy guy who's completely like infinitely shit-faced sitting on a pillow he like can't even put together concise sentences Lon just right. yelled to mess with his hangover till he signed it <laughs> here just take well, my signet ring and shut up so then you get you get him on who's this little guy with a mustache and a pointy beard that walks in and says hey here's some money you can buy some beer just sign this thanks the royal vizier is always has a pointy beard because that's just you know it's just like in Aladdin, the royal vizier is always the evil. I was with the I was beard. casting my my other there. In that in the picture, who sent me the picture of um, Esther? That was me. And it has like Leo Laporte. Laporte yeah, the drunken king. Man. Oh, I love that. I don't. Is the third guy supposed to be Haman? Because you did have no, no. The third guy is clearly Mordecai the Jew. Really? <laughs> oh, it's on the Wikipedia page for Esther. I got it off the Wikipedia page for Purim, but it might be on both. Oh, Purim, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Oh, wait, we gotta keep moving. We got. Yeah, we gotta do this. Gotta do this thing. Alright. Okay. So, So, come on, get some limited Jew killing powers. He does. He's just like, whatever. Do whatever you want. Go do it. Thanks for the money. Next time, bring some booze. (laughs) Um. I've gotta mention that uh, at the end of Chapter 3, there's dispatches sent out to all the provinces. To destroy and kill and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, and all that. They have ample warning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're actually kind of like this is public record. Like, yeah, we're going to kill all of you on this one day. We're going to set a day. We're going to we're going to cast lots, so, uh, and we're going to set a day, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, Adar, and that'll be when we kill all of you. So there you go. But they're not so, write it down. They can't read it. I have a question. You said save the date. Record. <laughs> Save the date, not the people. The date. <laughs> you said something interesting, a public record, and I was wondering how much, if any of this, has any correlation to some of the records from Persia at the time. Like, certainly they kept records, right? Yeah, I don't... I think it's um, generally considered to be um, Jewish revenge fantasy fiction. Okay. None of it. It's all really um, unlikely that they would have a Jewish queen, or that future well, events does... that we'll see, you know, aren't recorded. Right, right. Okay. It's I just didn't know thing. if there if there was ever a proclamation in in Persia from whatever king that said, "Oh yeah, and by the way, you should just kill the yeah. Jews." Yeah, it, it it does have the uh, a definite feel of revenge fantasy, but I'm I'm gonna save my thoughts on that until we yeah, get no to the spoilers. climax. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not so gonna I, say. I was genuinely surprised. Oh really? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. We'll we'll see what I'm talking about. Okay. 
Okay, so so Mordecai uh, goes to Esther and says, "Look, you know, we we've got this problem. They're going to kill us all, and and don't think that you're going to escape. Uh, so who, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? We need your help with this." And here's where um, there might be a. Re- so when I said that we should have the Esther drinking game, I was joking because this is the one book in the Bible that never actually mentions God. Mm-hmm. So. But there's sort of an oblique reference to him here? Is that why you brought it up? Yeah, it says, um... In 4.14, um... Mordecai's saying to Esther, if you remain silent, um, maybe God will help us. But maybe God will help the Jews, but you're gonna die. Yeah, he doesn't actually say God, though. No, it says, like, from another quarter or whatever. Yeah, from another place, yeah. So I mean, it's, it, I mean, it does seem, seem to take a providential view of history. Like that, yeah. somebody's going to save the Jews because they're the Jews. And so it's implicitly, well, it's the God of the Jews is going to save them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not a big deal that it doesn't mention God. It's just kind of you think if it's in the Bible, it's supposed to be about God, like nah. it's supposed to. Well, it talks about the Jews. Yeah, it, it, yeah. this is a lot more like, like about it's just the, unspoken. Well, yeah, I, I could see how you'd say, well, if deliverance of the Jews, like up until this point in the book, the deliverance of the Jews was always divine in some way. So the implication is that if deliverance arises for the Jews, it's divine action. Whether it's divine action in getting Esther into the queen uh, slot or what, whatever, you know. God steps the ballot box. The, there's, there's, it's what the Christians nowadays call a providential view of history in, in chapter 414, this idea that God's ultimately in control of events. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't feel it that strongly here, but I could see how they'd see it that way. Yeah, this is much more like it's very Jewish, but it's more nationalistic than religious. Hmm. The whole book, it's very yeah. nationalistic. Like... One of the problems with engaging with apologists is that they're they're constantly saying, "Well, the Bible doesn't actually condone that or recommend that," and I don't know if there's anything in this book that you could tie an apologist down to saying, "Well." The moral lesson here is that God thinks you should do this, you know, because yeah, they're not, I mean, not going to just stuff that happens. Yeah, it's like a little novella, and none of it is given implicit approval from the narrator, as far as like I don't know. Okay, so, speaking. Go ahead. Oh. Esther hatches a plan. Yep. And her plan involves banquets. Always. I guess. She has a banquet, and then she has another banquet, and she gets people to go to the banquet, and there's a lot of banquets. I don't really know. Six months of drinking again? (laughs) This is a very banquet-oriented novella. (laughs) Apparently that's what kings did back then. (sighs) There wasn't much else to do. Well, all the virgins, obviously. (laughs) You'd eventually run out. (laughs) That's why you have the house for concubines. Once. Haman. Well, what does she do at the banquet? She get, she wants to talk to Haman, and then... Right, so she sets up this whole banquet thing, right? And says, hey, let's invite Haman and invite all these people. Um, Haman takes this, you know, the king... You know, he's invited to this banquet with the king and the queen, so he, he takes this as totally, this is going to be great, and there's I'm like... man. Right, exactly. And there's that little bit in there, and, and five... Uh, 14, where he's talking, is it to his wife? Or... Yeah, Zeresh. Okay, 
Right. And he's like, you know, I'm going to have this banquet and everything, and, and uh, I'm, I'm going to finally get my thing on Mordecai, and you know what I should do? I should build these big-ass gallows. <laughs> Which happened to be 50 cubits. Because uh, why not? That's Go. like, that's overkill. Yeah. Sounds if you're going to hang somebody, you might as well hang them 75 feet up in the air. I mean, <laughs> that way everybody can see. Anyways. What could go wrong? Yeah. Sounds like a great plan. He builds these gallows, and he has this whole idea of what's going to go down at this banquet, and is pretty excited about it. But then the king, <laughs> the king gets insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> and what better cure for insomnia than than the Book of Chronicles, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I personally do when I get insomnia. I just go to that King James Audio Bible and just mm, Chronicles. Does it say? Is that what it says in the KJV? It says it says the it doesn't say the book of chronicles. Right, it just says bring me the chronicles. It, uh, it's not. I mean, the, you know, it's not the book of chronicles that I'm talking about. But book in the KJV, yeah. it's just the book of records of the chronicles. So it's the kingdom. It's chronicles of Persia. Yeah, I, I assume it's just administrative records and such. Yeah, the same genre. That's why I think it's so funny because it's like the stuff that we hollow as holy scripture is like the stuff that the king of Persia was bored with and fell asleep too. <laughs> uh, king Ashtar killed 1,500 Pildudus. Oh, wow. I love it's- that does the exact same thing that I do to fall asleep, which is, that, you know, he puts on a podcast and he just kind of drifts off. You know, like with me, it might be the Bible. It might be some other podcast. Uh, I but- just go to Google Video and just put on a lecture. Right. See, but the point is that it's it's the exact same method. Only nowadays, you don't have to be a king to pull it off. You just need an iPod. Yeah, you don't have to have some eunuch read it to you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not that I have anything against the Unix podcasts. I'm, I'm a big Linux fan myself. <laughs> Wonder if. <you're... laughs> yep. That's it. Anyways. Moving on. Right, so he falls asleep. Wait, no, he tries to fall asleep, but he doesn't no, no, fall no. asleep. Right. He tries he, to. He, He's he like, is... what? What did Mordecai do? Mordecai oh. saved my life? Somebody save me. How come and I was so, not informed? And, and what is the first thing? He goes and gets uh, Haman. Uh, he gets Haman and he says, he says, hey, Haman, what should we do to honor somebody that I really want to honor? And Haman's right. thinking, that's me, baby, that's me. <laughs> so he makes up some really elaborate stuff. Like, oh, well... We'll give him the king's garments and the king's the king's horse and and of course the crown royal. <laughs> it's all right there in Esther six. He gets all that that cool swag and he gets to be paraded through the town and people will see how great he is. That's Haman's plan and he's thinking, yeah, baby, come to Papa. The king's like, that's a great idea. Yeah. Now yeah. fetch Mordecai. <laughs> 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 This is when it really does feel like novelistic here. Like, oh, twist. Ooh. It was well, it was well set up. It was, it yeah, was I was going to say it's very well set up because that bit about Mordecai saving him, it's kind of thrown in back there. What is it, like chapter 2, verse 19? Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of there. You're like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> and you keep and we're reading. We're used to that in the Bible by now. Oh. <laughs> Do what? We're used to that in the Bible by now. Just oh, well. random three-verse anecdote thrown in. Yeah. Or however. Anyway, so Mordecai gets honored. He gets his own little ticker tape parade. And Haman 
gets pretty emo about this. Yes, he's quite upset. So, oh, there's another banquet. Or at least they, 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 they dine. On the second day at the banquet of wine, what is I petition Queen Esther? And she's like, well, the thing is, I don't want you to kill all my people. Does she out herself? This is yeah. where she out herself. Yeah, she yeah. outs herself yeah. right in, uh, in 7 4. Uh, I am my people. It doesn't. It doesn't actually say where she says I. You know. Yeah. By it, the way, or three, I think, is when it actually starts. That. Uh, and if it please the king, let my life be given to me at my petition and my people at my request. Right. Uh, and then four for we are sold. And... Yeah, but she's a Jew. She's a Jew. Oh my God! Yeah, she's a Shebrew. 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 He doesn't seem to mind. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, I really was baffled by um, 7-4. Because she says, oh, I'm fine with slavery, but don't kill us. I was just reading that. Yeah. He's like, look, I that, That's cool. Sell us the slaves. I, I wouldn't have said us. anything. I wouldn't have said anything if you were just going to enslave them all. But come on. You can't kill them all. Genocide is right out. Got to draw the line somewhere. Slavery... Yeah, we've been through that before. It's cool. Yeah, we got through it. Built some pyramids. We could build you some hanging gardens. So, so the king you know, says. This, oh, sorry. I was going to say this. There's actually kind of an interesting point there. Or to me, it, and it may have something to do with why this isn't taught as much, because it seems almost like they're in the post-exile or exile period. And so, presumably, they could be processing this as they're being punished for their foreign wives and gods and whatever else. And so, like, yeah, okay, it makes sense. They're in slavery. It's just like Egypt. It's just like the wilderness. It's because we screwed up. But then there's this whole, you know, well, now he's going to kill all of us. And we can't let that happen. But instead of letting it fall back on God, like... Esther steps in and says, okay, we can't have this. Well, well, Mordecai kind of forces Esther's hand to step in and say something. Yeah. Um, but the, the lesson is that God creates super hotties to do his will. <laughs> that's that's how he moves. He's got all of the right fingers and, and the right keys. Yeah, mysterious ways. Mysterious, very sexy ways. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know. The king had his pick of all these virgins, but it was the Shebrew that really did it for him. So, so it was it was divine. He de- he deliberately creates hotties for his his. Um, the Lord may not have hardened his heart, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Paul. Uh... You can't cut that. No, that that has to stay in. So, in a, in a way, the Lord is acting through <laughs> Esther in the way that Paul alluded to that I will not name. <laughs> Sorry. Name <laughs> won't Twitter. Speaking uh. of a pole reaching to a great height, <laughs> in, in uh, chapter 7, uh, verse 9, they're, they're going to be, oh, what, what are we going to do with this, this, uh, this gallows that we've set up? Uh, to uh, to hang Mordecai and the king's like I know 
let's kill him on it. Let's let's kill kill <laughs> that bastard well, man. Hang someone. Yeah. This, Wait, this, what, did, what did he actually do? This vile. Well, I mean, Esther says, you know, this vile Haman, this enemy of ours, is trying to kill all of my people. And the king turns on a dime and says, "You know how before I said I don't care, kill them all. <laughs> well, now I say." What the hell? We can't have that. Wait, we can't that, kill that my is... hot wife. Yeah. No one mentioned my hot wife was part of this deal. Yeah. It's okay <laughs> if you kill everyone. As long as it's not her. Yeah. I might I might be like whatever about genocide, but this is my wife. So the the massive pole is stood up and, and Haman is hung off of it. It's a gallows in the King James, but it is a uh, an impaling stick in the in other versions, so a little confusion there. Yeah, a little translational cross currents. Oh. Gallows and mine too, but look that up. Hang on, like the Empire State Building of Gallows. Yep. <laughs> Overkill is exactly the word we'd want to use here. Seventy-five feet. Seventy. Oh shoot! When did um? Sorry. When yeah. did Haman get in Esther's bed? Oh, it's okay. Not I I got this. It's not that he got in her bed. It's just that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I I. He passes out drunk, right? Does he? Is that what happens? Oh yeah, seven eight. Yeah. I just don't get what's going you don't, on. There. You don't get the sense that Haman was like trying to do anything with Esther. You get the sense that he's just fallen on the bed, like he's like, wine feast. But, uh. Oh, I get. Oh, because they're they're probably reclining on couches while they eat, like yeah. the Romans did. And so he's like, oh yeah, he like faints on her couch. Yeah. In some translations, it sounds like like. And some of these, <laughs> some of these translations, it sounds like he just stumbled and fell right then. And <laughs> as he's trying to get up, the king's like, "Oh my god, what are you doing on my super hot wife? It's not enough that you want to kill our people. <laughs> Bring me that Sorry, fifty cubit pole. I've got some hanging to do." That's why he's hung, hanged. Yes, he's well ha- ha- hanged. He's well hanged. <laughs> he's well and thoroughly hanged. <laughs> About about forty five more cubits than you need to hang a guy. <laughs> so, in carrying on with the irony, <laughs> yeah. the king decides that the best. Go ahead. Well, he's, he's hoisted on his own petard, or whatever oh. thing is. Oh, I wonder if petard means either gallows. I do you know or... what that even means? <laughs> There's some pirate thing. Well, you guys keep going. I'm going to look up Petard. In, in continuing with that, he, the king also gives the Jews permission to do pretty much what Hamon wanted to do to the Jews in the first place, was to go out and slaughter their enemies. Yeah, yeah. it's like a direct reversal. Well, it's even more why it's all-encompassing, because they can just kill everyone that hates them. Uh, now the story just gets ridiculous. Yeah, why would why would the king be okay with that? He's like, oh right. yeah, slaughter all my people. Now here's the um, you're the you're the woman. There actually is kind of a a halfway decent explanation for this, and that's yep. that the, the first edict was one of those Medes and Persians irretrievable edicts that you can't get do away with. Mm-hmm. And so the first edict was you've got to slaughter these you know these Jews on the whatever the day it was. It was a set day. And so the second edict couldn't just repeal the first one, which is, I think, what Esther had asked for, specifically, so can't we just repeal it? Well, that's not what the second edict does. The second edict is not a repeal. It's a, 
you're allowed to vigorously defend yourself's edict. Oh. So really? instead of instead Wait. of repealing the first one, they just add another one to it, uh, which which says fight back, gather together and fight back. The you're authorized one. to do that. Does it yeah, really it, say that, or is that apologetics? A little of both. Well, look look at the phrasing of the second edict. That's what I remember Where? hearing in church. Which which verse? Oh, eight eleven. Unite and defend themselves. Okay. Right. So instead of just saying. By the way, uh, that part about killing the Jews, we take that back. He, he adds like a, a another layer onto the first edict. The first edict is in no way repealed. It's just saying it's that you can kill the Jews, but now they have guns. Yeah, this is basically <laughs> the Second Amendment of Judaism, right here, <laughs> or the, the the Persian Second Amendment for the Jews, their right to bear arms. <laughs> unlike unlike the prophet Elisha, who had the right to arm bears. <laughs> so wait, so <laughs> so the king told everyone to kill the Jews, and then he tells the Jews to kill their enemies, which is everyone that he just told to kill them. Any nationality who might attack them. I mean, I, I, I and he I guess, just yeah. cites them. So it's this is like so screwed up. I guess. Yeah, I'm not gonna try to. I'm not going to try to make sense of it, but but internally it makes a certain kind of sense because there is this this reference to the law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. But that's we won't get to that into the Book of Daniel. Oh, but, really? Yeah, there's a yeah. Somebody's googling it right now. I can hear it. <laughs> We're looking up Pitard. Pitard's a bomb. I know, right? How could you be hoisted by that? <laughs> yeah, I don't make a damn bit of sense. Doesn't Daniel technically take place before Esther? Well, you mean chronologically, like, yeah, because isn't that Babylonian? Aren't they both historical novels? Like they were. That's what Esther I might have been written later. It actually might have been written as late as like the Maccabean period. Oh, goodness, the intertestamental period. Yeah, almost. Oh, so yeah, because Maccabees is apocryphal. Yeah. yeah. Isn't Dan- isn't Daniel considered apocalyptic literature? Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really it's one of the last books in the Old Testament chronologically. Yeah, we went through them chronologically in church years ago when I still went. I forgot all of them. <laughs> I remember Job being really early. It's, um, Dan- it's poor- Daniel six eight. If you wanted to look up Daniel six eight, that's the the reference where. Uh, anyways, we'll get to Job next week. You, well, I'm just saying, if you want to know about the law of the Medes and the Persians. Yeah. The, th- the theory is that this edict was unchangeable, therefore the second edict was not a a change. It, w- it wasn't a repeal. It was just a, here's another here's another edict, you know, a whole other edict which kind of tries to counter the first one but it, without actually what? repealing anything. But it doesn't make a lot of sense because if the first one was still in effect, wouldn't there be like a war between the two sides? Well, but what actually happens is the Jews just slaughter everyone. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the whole revenge fantasy we were talking about. That's that's just like woo. Yeah, it's, it's only well. Does it say who's killed? It's like a f- several hundred people killed, and particularly Haman's family. Oh, well, several hundred people in um the te- in one city in Susa, but it's seventy five thousand in all of the Persian Empire. So it's they a big empire. Slaughter them. The fantasy here is that only those nationalities that the Jews already hate, the really nasty ites. 
are the ones that rise up against him, and the other ones like look at the second edict and say, "Well, I, maybe we don't have to rise up," you know. <laughs> so it's a chance for the Jews to once again go on a Joshua-style killing spree against the Wrongites. <laughs> That's my theory of the case. That's just how I see it. I mean, I was on. I didn't know any of this happened because I. I mean, I didn't know anything about Esther other than it was named Esther when I started reading. So I'm like, oh, this is fun to get to like totally fresh territory. Yeah, this is this is well written. This is good. Oh, they slaughter everyone. (laughs) Moral, yay! It's it's a good moral story until the Jews kill everyone. Yeah, it's exactly what Jesus taught. No jot nor tittle. Die. No jot nor tittle will be wiped away from this by Jesus. Not one. It's an eye for an eye if they miss. I forget what a tittle is, but <laughs> it wiped away. Something must be something Greek. Hmm. Okay, I couldn't find a good reference to the law of the Medes and the Persians, so I tried, but I couldn't find one. I tried to find like something that tried to like do some scholarly something on that, but I couldn't find it. So, anyway, I gave the reference in Daniel where it is, so I just assume that the Chronicle was going off the same theory as whoever wrote the book of Daniel. Uh, where were the Medes from? Medea? I don't remember hearing that in church. Who? The Medes. Were they just another tribe in Persia? Medes? Yeah, they're an ancient Iranian people. Okay, so they're from... Oh, like from, the... Um, they Iran too. And they are from Medea. I wasn't just making that up. Oh, Medea. Yeah, I don't know where that is. And they're about average. They're you know they they speak the Median <laughs> language. Like the the Elamites are another. Um... They were Zoroastrians. <laughs> they were. That's cool. the... I wish there were more Zoroastrians. Zoroastrians too, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, until Islam took over. Well, that's the thing is the the Medes are for for our purposes not that different than Persians. The law of the Medes and the Persians is, I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know, Medes and Persians, sort of like Canadians and Americans. They're they're indistinguishable to, like, everyone else, you know? Uh-huh. Culturally indistinguishable, except that Canadians are more apt to say, hey, let's not go to war for fun. We're polite, except for the French. I didn't realize there were so many Iranian languages. Damn. we got to finish this, man. I, I want to be done by... We're almost by done. I think that's I think, it. Yeah, I think the yeah. last, um... So how does, how does the book close, then, yeah? Well, they kill everyone that stri- that rises up against them. Yes, yeah. and then the they have a party. Of, <laughs> the last part of um, chapters nine after nine twenty, it's um, it's like later additions to explain. <laughs> Chapter ten is four verses, four. three verses. <laughs> yeah, three verses. More to but it explains the the Jewish festival of um, how do you pronounce it? Purim. 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 Um. I don't really know what that is because I'm not Jewish, but um, I assume it doesn't involve killing people, so that's cool. Is Purim the one where they just get drunk? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. there's there's a fabulous tradition. But did you guys look up Purim on the wiki? Oh no, there's there's a secular Jew that comes for a trivia night that I'm friends with. Oh, there is there is. And we had a conversation about Jewish holidays around Passover, and he said Purim was the best one. Yeah, oh, but absolutely it is. I mean, there's candy, there's like wacky shit. Um, there's like uh, these these clackers that you do to blot out the name of of the the hated Haram. <laughs> oh, they actually they read the um they read Esther at Purim. Yes, that's not the most fun part of it though. No, oh, yeah. The, the most fun part of it the most fun part of it is that you have to get so loaded, so drunk, 
that you could no longer distinguish between these two phrases, Arur Haman and Baruch Mordecai. The one meaning cursed is Haman and the other meaning blessed is Mordecai. Yeah, that's pretty much what Scott said. Aruch Haman, Baruch Mordecai. you got to be so drunk you can't tell those apart. That's hilarious. Isn't this the only time the Jews are commanded to get absolutely blitzed? (laughs) And of course some rabbis later tried to to talk it down a bit, tried to walk that back a bit because they're somewhat puritanical, beard-wearing people. But uh, yeah, it's, it's... Fabulous. That Purim is, is wonderful. Dressed as Laurel Hardy. What? Laurel. Wait. Laurel and Hardy. Whatever was <laughs> the fat one. I'm looking at the Purim page. Last oh, time the I one with that, that massive fat dude. Title picture. You know, if you scroll down, there's a there's Laurel from Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, I have no idea what that mask has to do with Purim though. Well, I'm just. Drink till it's hot. <laughs> 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 oh man! Uh, yeah, I I love this festival. I I would so go to one of these if you I'm know. gonna be Jewish just for that one. Yeah, they got baskets of candy. They got drunken people. Oh, just... candy and booze. Yeah, we should... candy and booze. Man. We should celebrate it next year. <laughs> we'll just that? secularize it. Atheists <laughs> co-op that holiday. I should have warned you guys like earlier. I should have said shit. You know, we're doing Esther tonight, so bring your booze and your candy. When is Purim? No, we should, we should have, if we'd have really thought in, ahead, we should have all drunk Crown Royal and eaten sweets throughout this entire thing. <laughs> sunset. I'm not a big fan of whiskey. Sunset, March 7th, according to the wiki. Can I just 2012. No, no, no. That's that's the 2012 date. It was on the 19th of this year. Uh, we did miss it, but... Damn, damn, damn. damn 2012, 7th of March. We'll put that on our list of, of holidays to secularize as soon as possible. All right, so do we have any any final thoughts on how this book closes out? There's a there's a big party. Wait, they kill their enemies. There's a big party. Um, well, the name Purim Purim actually comes from um, I we skipped over it, but it's mentioned that pure pur is the um, Persian word for lots, or it's like a Persian form of of lot of drawing lot. Uh, so that's cool. Through darts at the wall and find out. But actually, it. actually, that word. Um, as far as I know, in the source I read, it's kind of an old source, but um, that's not an actual word. Oh. They they made it up to explain the word Purim. Oh, it's like a backronym? Yeah. Or, or kind of like that when you go back and make up a word. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a good time. I wish we could have more uh, joyous festivals, <laughs> you know. And they, they don't actually reenact the part where they kill their enemies, so that's cool. Do they build giant gall- They should build giant gallows and like okay. have a big pinata on it. Ah, yeah, giant, <laughs> giant haram effigy hanging from the, and and candy could come out. Man, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna sign this one off. Uh, thank you guys for coming out for the Book of Esther. Next time we'll be starting into the Book of Job. Yay, God! Yay! The Oklahoma Atheist Godcast is produced by the Oklahoma Atheists. The mission of the Oklahoma Atheists is to develop a community of individuals and families who value and promote critical thinking, free thought, reason, and a scientific worldview, and who seek to have a positive effect on the community at large through fellowship, rational discussion, community service, and education. For more information, please visit our website at www. OklahomaAtheist.com